0: Hello and welcome to podcast four of JRE Review for week 25. Now, we're kind of only halfway through the week, but because of how things lined up, that's how I'm doing the podcast. So, we have Kyle Kingsbury on this week and then uh, Faras Sahabi. And both MMA fighters, uh, both guys whose careers I followed forever. And uh, for us, is obviously more of a coach. He's GSP's coach. And George St. Pierre out of Canada is probably, I'd say the greatest martial artist of all time, especially recently coming back and beating Michael Bisping at, at middleweight and jumping up a weight class and being out of the fight game for, well, what, like four years. Unbelievable. absolutely phenomenal. But Where Kyle, Kyle Kingsbury is. He's also an MMA guy. He's retired now. He was on The Ultimate Fighter. Um, What what season was that? Season I don't remember. But he was on there, and now he works for Onnit, which is a company that Joe Rogan runs. And Onnit, as everyone knows who listens to Joe, is um, like an all health improvement supplement company that also sells kettlebells and other great things and, and they do they have good products so kyle is working for them now and this uh podcast was great because um he really got into some fascinating things about different types of drug therapy uh today on the podcast i have a guest and a friend of mine dave say hello dave introduce yourself if you don't mind hi hi. i'm david Guerrero. nice to nice to be here <clears throat> now, Dave and I work together, and uh, he Dave is also an actor, and uh, we are going probably. Are we going to start doing some podcasts? Maybe.
1: Yeah, I, this is my first time being a guest on a podcast. I always wanted to try and do it myself uh, at one point, but uh, since you've already got the ball rolling, this is exciting for me.
0: There we go, easy, right? We'll yeah. do it this way. Mm-hmm. So we got some beers, and we're gonna we're gonna get talking and. Uh, And, yeah, I'm going to sell Dave on the wonders of the Joe Rogan podcast.
1: Well, I've always been a fan of Joe Joe Rogan. Actually, the last time I listened to a podcast of his, uh, I was in an Uber car, and the Uber driver was listening to Joe Rogan. And he had uh, Matt Taibbi, one of my favorite reporters, on the show. He writes for Rolling Stone. Oh, nice. So I recognized Matt Taibbi's voice, and I was like, is that Matt Taibbi? And the the driver was like, how did you recognize that voice? And I was like, well, it happened to...
0: Was that fairly recently? Yeah, yeah. I that was a great podcast because they were talking. Who's the uh, Fear and Loathing reporter? On Arrested Yeah, of course. And yeah. and like he that the guy that you were talking about was was uh, massively influenced by him. And they, sure. they they people say that they have kind of somewhat similar writing styles to some degree. Yeah, he
1: was the one that was breaking down the 2008 financial crisis. That's like, it. Yeah, like, uh, really just breaking it down for all of us lay people that uh-huh. wanted to understand it, and he would just. You know, it was—he's it was, a great reporter. He's one of my one of my, my heroes.
0: As yeah, far as that, that was such a complicated problem that almost no one still understands, and he did really kind of help out. Absolutely. I'm like, thank God, yeah. that somebody took the time to figure this out. Right.
1: Yeah, it's, but, good. it's good stuff, and he was always a guest on uh, Democracy Now and other you know news shows that I tend to go go towards.
0: So that's how I you know came across that yeah he's great he was fantastic so much smarter than I will ever be and thank god he (laughs) exists right there's so many of these people and it's really important I'm like I'm happy to sit there and be dumb and just be like okay what can I get from this
1: yeah you know and and what am I learning exactly like those kind of reporters like him and Jeremy Scahill and people that are investigative journalists and not just doing bumper sticker slogans to get uh, people you know to think one thing or another
0: yeah well but then also then they get a three hour platform on right. a podcast <laughs> that like millions of people download and yeah. listen to, and how important is that? Yeah, because how much can you get across in an article that you're constantly editing, really? But now he just gets free flow, you just mm-hmm. go, you learn who that person is, mm-hmm. how he gets his information, yeah. which is kind of inspiring because when you read something, you're more likely to go, Oh, that's legit, right? Because I know he does that work, right? You right? right, right. know what he goes through, <laughs> yeah. he's fucking really sifting through the shit to find out that information. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, with all of the way that that crisis unfolded, I really wanted there to be a silver lining. Like, this is what we've learned. It just sounds like we've learned nothing, they got away with everything and they took all the money. And they're doing and it like, again right yeah. now, which is really just the, the, like the biggest
1: atrocity it. is that these guys are doing the same kind of practices in a different form. You know? Right. So, it's yeah. something I don't, that I don't he, really know the details of that, but I just I, I just know that they're it's shady.
0: He was saying there's some <coughs> sort of subprime thing going on in like used cars or auto sales, <laughs> and he says that's like the new worry. Think about it: you sell a car to
1: somebody that can't afford the loan, and then they default on it, and then somehow they still make money.
0: And, yeah, you know, or, or, or they're just like, like you know. reselling the loan again, and then it's like you, well, all of a sudden you don't like the people that had the loan in the first place. Someone else has it, and right? And then like, they talked about fuck.
1: Yeah, and then they talked about the renters bubble that there was a, a, a renter's bubble potential in the future uh, that you know, all these big, big companies or big uh, you know, rich people buying up a, an apartment building, but then if there's nobody to move into it, what happens if that apartment building is empty? And, uh, I, and that gets a little more com- confusing above my you know, right right brain capacity at the moment uh, to understand I need somebody else to break
0: that. Well, that, that sucks, because you, you can barely buy a house These days, and now you can't rent either. Well, well, that's what's happening in Los Angeles. I mean,
1: there's the rents are crazy high, right? So, the you know, the Silicon Beach thing spiking up rents, people are like, Oh, sweet, people are coming in with uh, huge salaries, let's get them into apartments. I'll buy this building and charge three thousand dollars a month for one bedroom, which is totally out of you know, you know, affordable. It's not really affordable (laughs) for the working class, man. No,
0: no, so just them. He just just fill those, up the building with Silicon Valley people yeah, with and Google employees and Yahoo employees. And no and one else can afford to no. do
1: that yeah nobody's paying nobody's paying the construction worker that kind of salary <laughs> so yeah
0: maybe one and day
1: here we go again with yeah another,
0: another, you know, we'll see what happens but you know hopefully there is a silver lining somewhere Well, it's important that these people don't break it down right? Yeah, it's important, Matt Taiby, guys exactly. Like that you know? they talk about it, people mention it, and then mm-hmm. someone gets ahead of it. So people are at least looking for it, <laughs> whereas before almost no one did. It was like that guy with one eye from the movie that uh, Christian Bale played him, The Big Short. Oh yeah, he was like the guy that saw it, and then like one or two other people. Like maybe this time around, fifty people will see it, right? Because this, the narrative has been told. It's sure. like here is here is the story. Of how it went before, keep your fucking eyes peeled, right? Because no one had an idea. Yeah, because the big short was interesting because they
1: they they kind of like empathized with the guys that were shorting the market, you know? Yeah, which which was was a fucked up thing. I mean, completely, they're they're betting against the real estate market in order to short these banks. Which is messed up. You know the problem. Why don't you call the Better Business Bureau or report it to that? But those guys...
0: Almost, though, who the fuck could they talk to? They
1: couldn't. Everyone was
0: just pretending it didn't happen.
1: Right. It wasn't happening. Because the SEC was in, in, in on it, too. Yeah.
0: And then they're like, well, can you really feel bad for somebody that's like, look, I figured this out. Yes. This is what's happening. I'm writing essays on it. People can read them. You know, it, it, really the best thing they should have done is get on a fucking Joe Rogan podcast, but it wasn't that big then. <laughs> it wasn't big enough. It would have taken three hours for them to explain it. Nobody would have understood what was what they were talking yeah,
1: about. Yeah, Joe, Joe Rogan could actually get Steve Carell or somebody on there that was in the movie that understood <laughs> to right? do it. <too>. That <laughs> yeah, might be a, yeah.
0: fun, a fun thing. To he could do it guests, now. Yeah. He could do it now, but maybe yeah. that's the idea, right? Yeah. Maybe he's open to these things, and, and that's why I love a lot about this show, not only the amount of time they have to describe what they're talking about without yeah. sound bites and commercial stops and those sorts of things, right. but like these processes are complex. Yeah. And you they, you need to talk about them for a long time. And Joe is kind of like the in-between uh, quote-unquote regular guy yeah. trying to make sense of it. But he's also a brilliant mind that can break it down to yeah, yeah. The he's, guy, which he's helps a us. He's very yeah. smart yeah. dude. But he also looks at things in a simple way. Like, he'd he just be like, oh, so this is this. His questions are all... You know, it's like... You could be a scientist on there, but it's not like two scientists talking to each other. No. It's just Joe the normal dude talking yeah. to this scientist. Right. And, you know, his responses aren't stupid. No. So it's, That's good. it's awesome. Well, okay. you know, and then... Uh, with Kyle Kingsbury who's a friend of his same sort of thing Kyle's not a scientist he's an ex mixed martial artist he fought for the UFC super tough guy um but very knowledgeable with training supplementation and these sorts of things so there's the company on it that that we I was talking about right Joe has been an investor in this with this guy called Orby Marcus for a long time mm. Aubrey's real cool he's like a psychedelic explorer um you know, ayahuasca, DMT, like really into like the healing benefits of these things, but also super into health, his training, Uh, again, he eats keto, Um, uh, Joe does, Mm -hmm. Kyle does. So they're really trying to figure out the best way for the body to work and and just kind of, you know, and these guys are getting older now. They're like in their forties, Joe is 50. You start thinking about what it's going to take. So, you know, Kyle's a bit of a guinea pig for the company, which is good and bad. So he's had plenty of diarrhea. You know what I mean? He's like trying different stuff. And because it's not... You know, there's one thing to say, what's FDA approved? And then, oh, this is all safe and most of that shit kills you anyway. And then they're like, oh, here's this hippie mushroom. You know, it's natural. So you're like, oh, that'll be fine. But it's not FDA approved. But then you end up getting sick off it because it's like, well, where did you even get this? Right. Right? So he's he's always trying different things. And what's cool about it is they... They try and make it as scientific as they can, right? So it's about consistency of, like, whatever products they sell. And and then they're always on the cutting edge of what um, research is out there. So some of the big stuff that he was talking about was... Have you ever heard of MDMA therapy, Mm -hmm. right? So... Uh, MDMA obviously ecstasy yep. that's the drug I'm familiar that... with it yeah of course <coughs> I, went to, I went to Burning Man in 2012 <laughs> right yeah so you, so you have a feel for that and <laughs> the calm down and yeah. where did my pants go and those sorts of things yeah yeah so with the therapy though it's really interesting because the idea behind it is they're taking these very pure doses mm-hmm. of MDMA and then depending on what the therapy is but let's say it's like PTSD therapy mm-hmm. which is an important one um they they try and take the the patient I guess you would call them back to the point of the trauma mm-hmm. like the scary thing that they're constantly thinking about and associating with like just awful stuff but now they feel euphoric mm-hmm. and they think about that trauma. In a euphoric state, and it kind of <clears throat> redefines it. or At least a, that's the theory. It's a good therapy for people in depression.
1: Um, the, the years ago, there was an article in the New York Times. I mean, I was think I was still living in New York at the time, which we moved out here in 06 So, this article, this man who was comp- totally depressed, lost his entire family, was in his '60s, never done drugs, he was, but he was completely depressed, and they tried. He tried uh, mushrooms for the first time, I think it was, or was it LSD in small doses? Either way, it's even back then. This thing pulled him out of his depression. These hallucinogens that he used, he finally saw the world in a different light after losing his entire family, and uh, and he came out of his depression. And you know, I want to look that article up actually now that you bring it up because it really was like two thousand five, like the decade ago. Yeah, that it that it was in the New York Times, and you know,
0: and it was completely- from it was from when from before that. Or it was it was something that happened in two thousand five. No, like the guy was
1: it was a recent article about oh, this man okay. <clears throat> that, yeah. that you know had lost you know everything in his life and was about to you know suicidal, and um, and hallucinogens helped him heal. And, which it, and is it's
0: fascinating. It really is, especially because the other options are so damning. Yeah. You you take a bunch of antidepressants or mm. antipsychotics. Mm-hmm. They're re- they're, a lot of times they're really addictive. Mm-hmm. People really struggle on them. Mm-hmm. You that you struggle like fuck to get off them. It changes your personality, especially those, mm-hmm. what do they call them, SSRIs? that yeah. are like Prozac. It just kind of makes some people feel numb. Lethargic. Yeah, yeah and then it's like what, what kind of quality of life are you having then? Uh, yet at the same time we see these cases where people take some psilocybin or lsd lysergic acid and they just you know they're they're getting real benefits and no one wants to look at it nobody's like maybe we should look at this because these people are fucking killing themselves and if it's a question of just money which is always the big thing right with pharmaceutical companies and people are like oh well they won't make that legal because we can't make money surely they can figure out a way to still make money (laughs) It's like nobody's going to be well, especially with the, making the re- their own LSD. Oh, well, the,
1: hey. the recent microdosing, which people are doing, like on their own, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that, if I'm not mistaken, there is some scientific uh, research on this uh, that's happening with microdosing and helping people get out of depression that way. It's uh, nice. Which, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Right. You know, I, I, and it's a great idea. Take some LSD today. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't seem... Just to, a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take some MDMA today. It's a, It'll be a fun day. You
0: get, we start going to Whole Foods and we're like, there's a guy freaking out on aisle well, 12, attacking the chips. Yeah. He's like, he's not microdosing the well, right way. MDMA
1: is tricky, though, because since I've, I've done it several times and, and my problem with it is is the, the false euphoria that you might experience that... That there, there's somehow the next day you feel like, oh, what well, was such a fool because I took too much, and I maybe acted not like myself, right? Just like alcohol sometimes can do, sure, or, or well, many times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that was my problem with it back, you know, when I was in college. Was was you know you get oh, let's take a back rub and this and that, and you know you're you're hanging out with friends, but it, it's so phony. It's, not it's like genuine. you don't really
0: love them that way.
1: But, but if you're using it for getting into your feelings, your mental feelings, like, I can see that being more of a benefit than just getting a back rub. You know what I mean? Well, this like-
0: brings up a great point because it, then, like, it's it's a way of looking at these things as a medicine right. rather than... Right. As like, oh, I'm just doing this to get fucked up. Yeah. So when you do it that way, you, your dosage is all over the place. Right. This is why people take too much of stuff and they freak out. Yeah. Or they just don't have a good time. And then you're like using it to rescue it and sit and you let what you're doing. Where you're like, right, I'm going to dose and think about. You know, you set your intention, kind of ayahuasca thing, yeah. And then you, and then maybe you, you do it with someone else, mm-hmm. and then you, you already have like bullet point, not to make it so regimented, where you're taking the fun out of it, but you have right. some structure to like what you want to do and think about. It's like with those float tanks. Do you know about float tanks? No, like um, uh, what are they? Is it like from uh, like deprivation,
1: like altered states? No, no, no. Volume so hurts? it's like they, yeah, kind of, right? <laughs> yeah. They have.
0: They have uh, they have one in Venice, Mm -hmm. Float Lab, which is uh, super popular, and it's where I like to go. What it is is a tank that you go in, and it's full of water to uh, like eleven inches, so not very deep, slightly less than a foot. Uh It's warm. Yeah, it's super dark. It has eleven hundred pounds of Epsom salts in, so you're floating, Mm -hmm. right? So it's just like you're not kind of like completely eleven
1: hundred pounds
0: of salt. Yeah, you need a lot of salt dissolved in water to to saturate it. A lot of salt. (sighs) Yeah, ton. So literally, and then you're yeah. so you float in there, and it, again, it's like it's two hours of silence with your own mind. And we were talking about this actually before the podcast, yeah. and we were saying people don't want to think about what's going on in their own mind, no. but it's nice to just for a second have it quiet and see, you know, how much of a lunatic you really are. Like there's a lot of stuff spinning around in there. Right. Well, again, people augment that by taking some edibles and going in there. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they just smoke and go in there. Or some people even shrooms and the guy that invented um, the float tanks um, and they were actually talking about it on the this last podcast would go in and do intravenous LSD and stay in the float tank for as much as 10 hours. Now Intravenous that, LSD? Yeah. So it injected in Yeah it's like, just like you just have a like I think you, they had, like, a drip set up with it. Wow. Because he was a doctor, too, so he could, like, organize all of this. Now, that's going down the rabbit hole a little deep, right? Definitely. But it also does show a little bit of something. Like, the, these things are being used as a therapy, right? In a sense, like a, like a medicine, mm. right? So, so, you've got this MDMA therapy, which is a better way of destigmatizing that drug than just being like, oh, these are drug is used just for raves, right? It's showing a use, a real use that can replace other drugs that are way worse and are causing major problems for people. And then take something like that float tank. With everything going on in mind, that doesn't require any drugs. It just requires two hours of your life and a little bit of focus to get in there and basically you're learning how to relax
1: do people have euphoric experiences and epiphanies in there or, or what are the, what's the result after they get out
0: yeah I haven't talked to a ton of people about it but yeah. some of the things I've heard I mean there's some visual hallucinations that can happen sure. even sober just so, you know, yeah, right it, well it's so dark in there your mind your eyes are ch- open so you're trying to see anything semi-dreaming yeah it, and that kind of does happen mm. you can kind of like fall in and out of sleep too which does does take you to a very relaxing kind of weird place. And I I don't know how beneficial sleeping in there is. Like sometimes it's happened to me. Like I kick myself in and out of sleep a little bit. So if you don't want to fall relaxed. asleep. Yeah. Well, you can. It's okay. But I mean, if you just slept for two hours through it, you kind of wasted the, the point of going down there, which is just to sit quietly with your mind and just see what you're thinking about and mm-hmm. get some peace with it, right? Because stuff will run around all day long. Yeah. And if you stay busy enough, you don't, you don't even have the time to sit and listen to it and just don't
1: uh, just hope you don't turn into the monster like William Hurt in Altered States. Right, yeah. yeah. Which is a crazy reference if anybody has never seen <laughs> Altered States. That's a really great movie. Google that. Yeah, Google Altered States with William Hurt, which is amazing, amazing. Well,
0: but I think that's why people don't want to go into those things as well. Sure. They're scared of what they might see. Yeah. And maybe we should be. There's a reason but, for
1: that. Uh, you know, that's but that's great. But don't you want to face your
0: fears? I mean, our life should be about facing fear. The problem is whether you want to or not, I think you have to. Because I think it's gonna constantly plague you and make you sad if you don't. Yes, that's the end of it. It's like I don't. I don't really give a shit about facing fears. I just the journey that I've had that makes me do things that are hard that I'm scared of is because I don't feel like I have a choice. Mm -hmm. I feel like Mm. there's gonna be some fear around you. It's either in front of you or behind you. It's either stopping you doing everything or pushing you forward to do everything. Right? You're running away from it and. So well, you don't direction. have, like,
1: a specific fear? Because I do. I mean, I have, I have a fear of sharks.
0: Right. Yeah, and So yeah. Diving, no. diving is my fear, too, because I'm being immersed in water. Like Basically, you're saying an irrational fear, right? That would be considered rational, even though it, it is rational.
1: It, it is irrational? I guess it is, in a weird way. It's more way.
0: rational than being, like, afraid of elevators. Right. Right? Yes. Because sharks do kill you. Yeah. But the percentage is really unlikely. It's very It would be unlikely. like, oh, I'm afraid of going but outside the idea because of being I hit in, by lightning.
1: Yeah, the idea of being in open water... And and not seeing what's below me—that's a big, big one.
0: Really? Yeah. Do you think about this a lot?
1: I do, and, and I have dreams about it. And no it's, shit. Yeah, and it's it freaks me out. They're like nightmares. Yeah. Um, and I wake up. Can you just and I not up,
0: swim away? Is it like one of those, or is it just like it's just I shark just can't. Yeah, I'm just like
1: scared that there's going to be a shark underneath me. Right. You know? <laughs> like, and I just have this, and then I wake up. Uh, right. But but then you know that's that that's based on my fear of diving, right. which all my friends do now. And they're like, Dave, you gotta come diving, and I'm like, I,
0: I love it. I love diving, man. Yeah,
1: and, and I and I definitely want to face it, but I yeah. just have to take. It's expensive too. It it's, is expensive. It's, not, it's like I already it's have a lot of expensive hobbies, you know?
0: and it you know <laughs> it's gonna be weird and scary, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could get you there. It, when I went diving last time, there were some mako sharks where I was. I was in Cabo, mm-hmm. and there were two. So they're smaller. They're not like kit, but they look just like the big ones, right? Yeah. And they're circling me, and it's just like. It's just built into you. Like we are fucking afraid of those things. Like we know what they are. As monkeys in the water, we fucking know what a shark is. I think I might have seen Jaws at a young
1: age too. You know, like Like because all my older brothers, uh, you know, I think I think I saw Jaws at like age four or something, and maybe that was. An issue. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, along those lines, though, I mean, I, I my fear is even more irrational because it's it's the thing that I you know oftentimes they say the thing you're most afraid of is the thing you should do mm-hmm. the, right. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I, it makes sense. Like sometimes not. Like, the, do you need to go in the ocean and face your fear of sharks to, to really I improve to, your life? Well, yeah. I, you know. That's, uh, but I, but it, there is something to it. Yeah. And and mine is is it really is like my stand up. Uh so doing stand up and and like getting up there and waiting for those moments to bomb and trying to work yourself through a set and writing like jokes because some weird things happen like sometimes you'll be writing and the set's going well you're like oh this is going to be great but it also tells you oh shit you're going to have to perform this even more because it's good and then it's like a good thing that became another scary thing and it's just a cycle that it never ends. terrifying
1: to me as a, as a theatre actor but trained, you know, like I went to college and stuff I think four years and then, you know, jumped out here and did the film thing but uh, as a... Coming from the theatre like tr- training background, be, doing stand-up is terrifying to me.
0: What is it why being that you're an actor and yeah. you went and so you're in front of people yeah. you can have lines yeah. you can act like someone mm-hmm. else or whatever like you have all this training which people would think at me as a stand up and having no uh experience acting at all i would think well surely actors could do this no problem they could at least act like a stand up I, I what is the fear that you see of it i think that there's
1: probably the the idea that you're doing your own work and there's a self-conscious nature of that and also yeah. I don't think my jokes are very funny and I don't think I was like as, as a writer I don't think I'm the funniest guy in the world um, that I would be so nervous doing my own material in front of people versus someone else's that's already accomplished writer yeah um, that you can rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and get on stage and it's been a long time since I've been on stage but when I was I I I was confident so sure. I got out there, and I did my job, and I was good.
0: Yeah. And, um, and, you, and you would know it, too. Like You'd yeah. like, I know from previous times doing this well that I'm going to probably do this well today.
1: Yeah, and, and you'd have your good nights and bad nights right. in, in the theater, but it, you always felt you know, pumped up and just ready to go because you were rehearsed. Yeah, you know,
0: you'd, and you'd, you'd gone be through
1: it. It's in your body and it's sure. in everything
0: and your all your actions and you know, it's you just don't get a lot of positive reinforcement from the stand up. Really. No. Most it's of the time brutal. you're just eating plates of dick yeah. for minutes. <laughs> and then like one night someone think your joke is good and the next time no one does, and you're like, Is this joke fucking real or not? Or <laughs> uh, you know, it's just that's kinda how it goes. Yeah. And uh there's no more? Yeah, you get... Oh, no, there's no more. Oh, okay. Sorry, brother. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is that, and it is terrifying, and I think that's why it's the fear that it is, yeah. and why I focus on it so much, and also why this exists, why I do so many of the things that I do, because I'm like, it is hard as I see it being, right, right. This, this thing to overcome, and maybe you never really do, you just find this peace with it, I feel like a lot of other areas of my life need to be really well rehearsed as well. Mm. Which is funny because you kind of feel like, oh, if you become a stand-up, isn't the best thing to do just to like not even have a job live on someone's couch and smoke a lot of weed and then go to open mics well that does work for a lot of stand ups and I see these open micers doing this but I'm just like no I have to go to the gym all the time I have to go to jujitsu all the time I have to just be really focused I have to be nicer to people I have to like work on me not being a massive asshole so then I don't kind of feel sad and then after I bomb horribly on stage and someone's like you suck I don't go home and just can cry myself into a stupor, never do comedy again like I have to be able to pick myself up like yeah. through this yeah. and and work out the other side and again and float tanks are perfect for it I practice my set in there that's crazy you just go in there and you just think through it and you can kind of imagine the audience and I mean do whatever you want in there right you could go in and think about sharks yeah and you know they just face, try and face them there yeah in a sense <laughs> I mean who knows how effective that is right? right but again we're talking about exactly what Kyle was was. Going over a lot is like the therapies, right? Yeah. Whether you're using meditation to like work through something or drugs in this sense, mm-hmm. like just to find an answer out the other side instead of, I don't know, just booze all the time. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's it, that's not getting you. To, I don't know. Maybe you never get fixed. Maybe there isn't anything that actually gets fixed with these things. But you can, you can just you can just take some of that worry out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, and especially that chronic sadness that people get into. Yeah. I mean, you talk about people with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Imagine being in those loops and and getting forced to just keep reliving this yeah. and your only solution when you go to the doctor is, here's more pills, mm-hmm. take these. And you Google that shit and it's like, people can't even get off it. Your life is already almost ruined. And now, potentially, they're also like, oh, how would you like a drug habit with that?
1: Yeah. And how would you like a drug that makes you, you know, makes you
0: completely lethargic and not care and not a real, you know. I wish I could remember more of the drugs than I can, not but there's this one that they get on, and I think it's an antipsychotic, but when they get off it, they get really bad shakes that can sometimes never go away. Wow. Yep. Yeah? You can get stuck with them forever. It's either you take the drug, then you don't shake, yeah. Or you get off it. Some people are so like they hate that drug so much they get off but then they shake almost forever. It's, it's like, like
1: people with bipolar disorder that can't you know, that need to take drugs. Bipolar disorder is a nasty thing because people have like highs and lows that are just absurd. Um and and they need to take drugs, but those drugs don't you know, they don't want to take those drugs because the, the, when they take them in sort of, in some cases they don't feel like themselves
0: right yeah what do they take it's for bipolar is lithium right i think it's lithium lithium yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the
1: most popular
0: one yeah i don't know what the effect is for the people taking it um well i dated a girl with bipolar disorder years ago and
1: i didn't know it until we were you know a month into it and it was it was crazy like dealing with the person that was just all over the place really yeah and then
0: did you see them on their medication yeah it was like
1: we had good days and i think that was when she was on medication but you know she didn't communicate any of that stuff to me sure but very personal i think it's probably difficult yeah totally probably real difficult yeah like to like get that stuff across yeah, you don't want to tell people that you're on medication for being crazy.
0: I mean, <laughs> like, like, they mean yeah.
1: And they don't like they don't like being called crazy either. No, like, she would be like, oh, "Like you're crazy," and she'd be like, "What do you mean I'm crazy?"
0: You know, I'd be like, "I didn't mean
1: it that way." You know, I was just saying crazy.
0: It's like just a you word. You just did a crazy thing. Though, so <laughs> I was gonna label it a little bit. I'm sorry, but stop eating all the cat food. <laughs> Uh, Uh, The next big guest that uh, Joe had on, and it was another one of the MMA shows, and MMA 32, Faraz Sahabi. Uh, This guy's a great guy. So he is a coach to one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time. Do you know who George St. Pierre is? Mm -hmm. George St. Pierre is a guy that's been in the UFC for... I, probably about thirteen years now. I think have for another, a long like, time. Stage name or something? He just goes by George St Pierre. His name, it's yeah. Not a very it's a tough, tough, it's not a very tough name. GSP. Well, you know, <laughs> when he talks, he doesn't seem like a very tough. He's very gentle and polite, yeah. and you know, he just looks like a normal dude. But he's the hardest worker. Yeah. And he has learnt. Uh, he has a lot of. Th- I think he has like the most title defenses. He has one of the longest unbeaten championship streaks he has belts in multiple weight classes he took wow. a ton of time off came back moved up a weight class and just beat the champion it's unbelievable how many the weight dude classes is, are there like, in the UFC like you have I think they have so, so they got 125 thirty-five, forty-five, fifty-five. 135 45 55 I believe 170 and then like over 180 or something um 185, and then light heavyweights 205, and anything above that up to 269 is 269. heavyweight. 69. Wow. Yeah, you can be massive. So you, but you've heard of Brock Lesnar, right? Yeah. He he was a heavyweight. Okay. He was like ripped and would cut weight to make 269. To go under to, to two, the heaviest weight to fight. So then he would come into the ring, like he could weigh 280 when he's in there. Yeah. And he was a terrifying dude to watch. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And he was a legit football player back in the day. He could run a 40 in like, you know, like a 4-5-40 at that weight. Wow. Beyond. Actually, these numbers I just made up, but I know he's very <laughs> quick. And I know he had a hell of a 40 time. I didn't understand it anyway. So. I can't be bothered to Google it, but he's a attacked. <laughs> And a college wrestler that was, like, undefeated, like, fucking 100 right. uh, wrestling matches in a row. I mean, just brutal. Yeah. So, but, yeah, for GSP to come in, like, move up those weights, continue to be a champ for as long as he has been. And he's a very well-thought-out individual. I've always known that there's someone behind that guy that's keeping his shit together, yeah. right? And that guy is for us. And it was cool to have him on because I've seen him as a coach forever i've seen him in the corner of a lot of different fighters that come out of the Canadian um, fight school that they have up there where George trains and but you never get a you, you don't get to hear him you know you just right. hear oh this guy's a great trainer but who is he and he comes in and what was great about it is he is a complicated intense dude and he starts throwing down some Einstein and some Uh, you know Isaac Newton and explaining gravity like right away like just telling Joe this is what this is but what was interesting about it is he was getting into like pseudoscience you know you know when people like talking about oh I'm on this cleanse to cleanse toxins Mm -hmm. as soon as you hear that what do you think
1: yeah okay
0: yeah that sounds like some bullshit right yeah no yeah it sounds awful and it sounds like what does that mean Uh, toxins uh,
1: like, what are you talking about? I remember about? the cleanse thing with the cayenne pepper and the whatever, like, uh, when I was working in New York at the restaurant.
0: Yeah, yeah that's basically this. Yeah, and Lemon
1: and cayenne. Cayenne, and it's all they drank for a week, and then you, you try and work with them, and you, you're like, hey, hey, so-and-so, and then they're, they're like, spaced out. Like, yeah. their brains have completely malnourished so they
0: can't even think straight (laughs) yeah they got no (laughs) sugar in their body and they've been shitting liquid for a week and somehow you're feeling better and they're like i feel great i feel so in touch my toxins i'm like all you can talk about though and they're just like i you have you know yeah i I'm, I'm always that, I'm always I suspicious. Should I should probably do
1: that. The way I you know, live my life, I should probably do something like well, that. Well, it's but.
0: always good to give your digestive system a bit of a break, That's right? True. But I don't yeah. think that it needs to be augmented with anything else. Mm. I think that you can just stop eating. Yeah. Just drink some water for a few days. Have a tiny, like an apple. Just try not to eat a lot. Right. Give it a couple of days break. Flush you know? it out, yeah. Yeah, to do something. I mean, not sure I right mean not. you don't have to put in a bunch of cayenne and lemon and fucking... <laughs> all this shit fucking maple syrup it's like who came up with this yeah, yeah it's funny like, who came up with the this someone who's selling cleanse. maple syrup yeah I think and then they like and give pepper, it to like... Beyonce and, <laughs> you know so there's that there's like the there's like the there's like the whole foods science uh-huh. like when you're in whole foods in like their supplement section it honestly is like it was invented by witches, right? You look through it's like Eye of nude, and it's not a lot of like it's not a ton of science. In that. I'm I'm amazed they don't sell cauldrons. But right, it's nice to have a non. It's like the opposite of going to like uh, a Target and yeah. then going to their medicated section, and it's all ibuprofen and a bunch of stuff right, like that. So right. it is nice to have, you know, a balance and another option. Yeah, but. Who fucking knows how good any of that
1: shit is? Chinese herbs worked when there was a pharmacy uh, uh, here in Venice. There was this pharmacy, the PH Pharmacy. Uh, no, it's not. It was ph- they spelled it with an F. Pharmacy. Anyway, because you could buy pot there. Nice. When it was medical. Okay. So when the medical law passed... They, and they were they bad. sold spellers. They sold pa- a pot there. Uh, dude, and, uh, how
0: do you spell pharmacy? But, they all,
1: but I got sick one time. I think I came down with the flu or, or whatever, but... But to one and took these Chinese herbs, and they put this stuff together, and I was like, "Whatever it is," and they're like, "Drink this with water, and you know, it moved whatever I had into my chest, and then I ex- was able to expel it, and it was, you know." Oh, that's interesting. It was very interesting. Yeah. Well,
0: they, they look—they've been eating shit for thousands of years. Yeah. Some of that stuff's gonna work.
1: Chinese herbs work. I whether mean, they,
0: yeah. whether rhino horn really gives you a bone or not, I mean, I don't know, right? <laughs> I haven't tried it. I Haven't tried it. <laughs> But maybe it does. So it, might be,
1: it might have some, you know, uh, moral yeah. uh, objections to Veronica. But what, is, horn, what but... is their <laughs> approach
0: anyway? And, and really what Farras was talking about is he was just talking about, like, the truth in things. Because mm-hmm. I think the way that he goes about the training with, with his guys is, like, as a philosopher. He definitely sounds right. like a philosopher. And the, you see this with, with, there's another guy called Danaher that's a an amazing legs-locking specialist in jiu-jitsu and trains a lot of people. And again, he's like a philosopher. Some of these guys have PhDs in philosophy. Like, there's some sort of connection. I love it. Between, like, the highest level of this martial arts and then how centered and calm your mind needs to be to, like, find the truth in these moments. Because, you know, you take fake... Martial artists, right? Right. G- guys that think they're legit, but they're like, but they're funk- yeah, they're well, but no, no, they just—they're just, they're not necessarily meaners. They're like old school, um, you know, uh, Tai Chi, okay. or, and they're like, no, 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 we this would work, but like, we can't, we can't actually spar this because people die. Mm-hmm. They they like how I used to do one. I used to do ninjutsu. And ninjutsu is a martial art that's very old. It's from Japan. It's like the ninja line of these things, which is kind of comical. But it was yeah. a legit martial art. But like a lot of it, we didn't actually, we never sparred. Yeah. We never directly trained with someone. So we're not actually training to fight. And, you know, the guys that train it will say, oh, it's because, because you can't do those moves on people. You'll, like, smash their throat or you'll goug- gouge their eyes out. So we would just practice the movement of it. Right. But there's a disconnect there. You're not actually doing it. You're just learning these fundamental thing so then you get something like the UFC mm-hmm. in the beginning of the 90s comes along and says right all of the martial arts can come together and we're going to find out which one's good which one's superior yeah. and some of them really fucked up some of the others well ninjas just kill people right so you, the you, know, you they're is, super yes. quiet
1: and then you just sneak in and then kill yeah, yeah.
0: It's, uh, it's over
1: yeah you know, it's, uh, it's not really sparring
0: well exactly right so this was the idea yeah. behind it but we had other things like locks and grabs and, and you know it takes you to a place where you could like break, you know, arms and things like that. But Ooh. realistically the formations just didn't make a lot of sense. And yeah. I don't want to talk too much shit about that martial art because I I have respect for it. Absolutely. But I it's mean, just not that useful for all martial arts. It's really. just a lot of it is if you're up against a jiu-jitsu guy and that's the thing, these philosophers who are also trainers yeah. need to sit there and see the real truth. They can't just say, "Oh, that that's a good move." Yeah. Or we use this kick, but when you take it into the real world, it just leaves you so exposed you get just get demolished yeah you know you have to see it for what it is I love that these
1: guys are great thinkers too like uh, you know there's such a stigma about fighters and and that the nature of putting two people in a ring and beating each other up is just you know
0: yeah thuggish uh, barbaric yeah Yeah. all all those
1: things that you can label onto it but that there's another level to their thinking is really actually you know you've opened my mind a bit
0: yeah yeah there's a lot of nice guys they're really nice and wealth they're not they're not Hyper aggressive. They're not mean. Right. They're well, and was, they chill, and they talk about GSP talks about how terrified he is of it too. Yeah, and that shows a real honesty and hmm. vulnerability, and and like you know, he's not walking around like a Conor McGregor, like I'm afraid of nothing. I'll kill everyone, which is um, what the, the king, which is cool too. Which
1: is what, we what like. like martial arts should, you know, teaches. You know, I haven't studied it, but from what I understand, you know, like karate and kung fu and things. There's more about being. A, Peace in the mind, or at least you know, yeah. Being centered.
0: Yeah, it's then, definitely not about beating people up. It's definitely not about beating people up. You should never want to fight. In fact, if you're, you're a not, mixed martial, if you're a martial artist, and you find yourself getting in a bunch of fights then you you I mean, really want to reevaluate some other healing. Uh, you yeah, need, yeah. yeah. Unless you are in a position where you protect if you're a security guard at a nightclub, then you're protecting people. Yeah. Then that's honorable and that's where the position you're in. Right. But if you're just a regular dude that keeps getting into the middle of it then and then something. you reevaluate and you're like, oh, I think I started that. Yeah. It's a very dangerous you don't see a lot of bullies at martial arts places mm. that especially yeah. if they're getting good right? You, it's just it won't go hand in hand right. in fact I think that why I think kids growing up boys and girls should all do some sort of martial art is because I think it would really reduce yeah. the bullying yeah. problem that happens to everyone I watched my nephews
1: uh, do the get you know their class their martial arts karate class oh, yeah. or whatever they did one time my brother brought me in, uh, and I watched this you know this guy in the dojo you know the guy that was teaching them what do they call him a sensei I guess yeah, he yeah usually he was, sensei. he was telling stories and it was just like they had the kids attention the kids were just so focused and and it was just such a, a learning experience even for me yeah Just like sitting there listening and I was
0: just like I love this. It's cool to see it. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of discipline and order. Where else are they getting it? You know, right? When they go to church, well, that's boring. No kids like that. Let's be so fair. boring. I was or you Catholic. go to school. That's most. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you go to school and do it, and most of that you would just associate with God. I can't wait to get to the playground. Right. But now they're in this class, learning these things that look amazing. Yeah, and it's like. You know,
1: telling stories, the lessons that yeah. have lessons in them, it's just like, that's good stuff it's, it's
0: absolutely fascinating mm-hmm. and then you, you hear that through the voices of people like uh, for us when he's mm. talking, he's explaining, sure he's intense, mm-hmm. but he believes in his approach and back to the pseudoscience thing he, he was basically also saying look, real science is like that a bit too, we think the real science is just science, that's it It's peer-reviewed, everything's good, we just take it as is. But we gotta remember, and he was pointing out, a lot of this shit gets debunked, you know? That's what science is always doing. We think something's one way, and then we find out something new and we replace it once we've tested it. Mm -hmm. And that will continue to happen. So we have these things now that look like the truth, and we constantly need to keep exploring Mm -hmm. through it. And he alluded into that, like this is the best way to go about Coaching fighters because not to say this is the best move, but this is the best move right now and for you Yeah, right and exactly and for your size until that changes Mm. maybe The fighter then gets better on his feet, right? Yeah, maybe before he was mostly a wrestler This is the best move for you at this time now. You're getting better on your feet Let's change this game Mm -hmm. and and it really is Like chess in that sense. Yeah, because I don't play a lot of chess but when I did, you always hear about you know people thinking three or four moves ahead, right. which blows my mind even. I'm like, what does that even mean? It's tough. Yeah, because it's like exponential, right? Mm-hmm. Every move is like, what are all the infinite moves after that move, and then so yeah. on. So, But with fighting, it's got to be the same way. Mm-hmm. And then, once that cage closes, the coach is really done. All yeah. he gets to do is talk to you for one minute between rounds. But he better hope that he taught you everything that you fucking needed to know to get in there the way yeah. through you're in a world of hurt. Uh, yeah, because
1: once it's showtime, you just have to, you just have to, you can't really think, you just no. have
0: to act. Yeah, to and that, that's, a, they do yeah. say that a lot. You don't really think a lot. Right. It is a muscle memory game. Absolutely. The coaches at that point can just try and calm you down in between rounds, but whatever's happening is happening. Yeah. And it's mostly, is your mind going to quit on you? You know, right. fucking terrifying, man. Yeah. Imagine having to coach someone to get him in that place. I, it's, I can't imagine that. It's next level. Yeah, and he's done it forever. This is why these coaches are so important. And it really came through on that pod class. It was one of the shorter ones uh, that he did for the week, but just learning so much about how well thought out this guy was. Mm, I want and to it, listen to it. And, and yeah, and how he put it together with with and 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 keeps this man Joy Saint Pierre at the top of his game for as long as he has. Yeah. was just truly unbelievable. I mean. It was a great week of, of two really uh, powerful dudes talking. And, and also, it was an, really an MMA week, all yeah. week. And these are important because, again, everyone thinks they're meatheads.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's a good to, to sort of debunk that, uh, that sort of you know, yeah myth.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're not just dummies. Right? No, not just, like and, they, it, and yeah. they do the same thing with the hunters that they bring on the hunters are in the same way oh, it oh. takes the hillbilly out of it and yeah. you see that these are real people with a real connection are you kidding and me? It's a not ton a, of yeah, focus it's, it's and not
1: easy to uh the, you know, Dude, it's hard to track stuff. some something, yeah. and you have to know your shit
0: for six hours through oh, yeah. the hills, and then not even get a shot off, and now you're like, "Well, we will do it tomorrow."
1: I will say though, growing up with a father who was a big game hunter, he was a doctor too, but he so he was more, he was smarter than most of the guys he hunted with. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he, we, I did meet some, you know,
0: some serious rednecks. Oh, there's some dummies out <laughs> there for sure. Let's not forget <laughs> that they still exist, and the meathead still exists too. Sure. Like the, all these things are real. Yeah.
1: But no, it was fine because I was lucky to have a father that was educated and and, and successful, uh, and, but that took me hunting and taught me the proper way of handling the animal and, and uh, respecting it and all that. I was you do, pretty yeah. pretty lucky that way. And yeah.
0: when you eat that food, it's another level. Sure, we had a freezer full of venison. Right. You know? And it's not just like, oh, grab some food, throw it away. It's like, I remember this thing. Yeah. I remember what it was and
1: carrying it. And I remember walking into a barn full of upside down deer hanging around.
0: Yeah, yeah that, that's at something age, else at too. age 10 you know He's like, what the heck is going on here don't worry you'll understand one day <laughs> awesome well look on that note hey hey thanks. Dave thanks a lot oh I yeah appreciate this come back let's do this again this I, was fun I look forward to the next time thanks for having awesome. me awesome and thanks a lot everybody uh, review, comment, ask questions whatever you want we're going to bring you more content and keep plugging on with this so thanks for listening Uh, We're getting people from all over the world. So tell your friends. Get them on board. And, uh, you know, keep supporting this uh, podcast and Joe's. Cheers.